This is Shivani Samaya, and welcome back to the Financial Executives Podcast. From streaming to live entertainment and publishing, the coronavirus pandemic was a truly pivotal moment for the media industry. Overnight, media financial executives became tasked with not only trying to survive in an industry overwhelmed by digitization, but adapting their businesses to become financially viable for years to come. On this episode of the podcast, we look back on FEI's forward thinking discussion series with three media finance executives, President of The Guardian US, Regina Buckley, Chief Accounting Officer, Executive Vice President and Controller at ViacomCBS, Catherine Gilcharist, and Brian Perissi, Chief Financial Officer at Break the Floor Productions. Joining us for this discussion are Robert Haft's Senior Executive Director, Paul McDonald, and ProTivity's Managing Director, Paul Sachs. As part of our longer ongoing forward thinking series, I am really excited to be here with Mr. Paul McDonald and Mr. Paul Sachs to wrap up our final quarter of the year. Before we get into this conversation, I'd love it if you both could give us a brief overview of your background. Uh, I'm Paul Sachs. I'm a managing director with ProTivity. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've been in the consulting business for over 40 years and uh, work a lot with finance functions in a variety of industries, but in particular with media and entertainment and in, uh, you know, helping the finance function uh, support the business and, and uh, help the organization managing the risks that they face. And I'm Paul McDonald. I'm a senior executive director with Robert Half. Been with Robert Half for 37 years after a career with Price Waterhouse. My uh, focus has been uh, helping the company to grow over the um, tenure that I've been here, various positions in the talent solutions business and on the executive team um, at our corporate office. Uh, really happy to be here. And um, I'm a proud member of uh, the FEI for many years. Thank you so much, both of you, for your time today. And my first question to you is, every industry has been impacted by the pandemic in one form or another. Before the media industry, it seemed to be a historic watershed moment. What are you hearing from some of the people in your media's finance function about how they think this change going into the new year? Well, Shivani, I think, you know, almost two years into the most globally disruptive event of most consumers' lifetimes, uh, you know, COVID-19 remains the unavoidable uh, force driving the dynamics of the media and entertainment industry. Um, you know, although uncertainty persists due to, you know, varied vaccination rates, and risk of resurgent waves of infection from new variants of the disease, you know, we see that the combination of vaccines and more developed virus control systems should support a, you know, a tentative return to normal for most developed nations, you know, coming in, the, in, in really the second half of, of 2022. Um, you know, for the media and entertainment industries, consumers' desires to, you know, once again enjoy live music and cinema, um, you know, this will be tempered by caution and, you know, ongoing you know, venue capacity limitations. Um, 
I mean, certainly, you know, the, the habits accrued during long periods of lockdown and restrictions. I think, you know, some of those will, those habits will remain embedded and, uh, you know, you know, trends already developed prior to the pandemic, uh, you know, namely a growing shift towards digital products and online sales, uh, you know, just has been, uh, you know, accelerated by, you know, the pandemic by years. Uh, and, you know, while sectors like cinema, live music and, you know, trade shows suffered, you know, unprecedented setbacks, uh, you know, the persistent growth of digitization kind of softened the blows for, you know, the broader industry. Uh, you know, I saw a recent report from PwC that said that, uh, you know, the global entertainment and media industry, uh, you know, certainly has regained its momentum, uh, you know, with revenues outpacing the economy as a whole. Uh, and, you know, it's looking to grow about six and a half percent in 2021 and continuing that growth to uh, into, you know, 2022 and beyond, uh, you know, fueled by the strong demand for digital content and advertising. Um, I think the pandemic slowed the entertainment that and media industry, but it also accelerated and amplified power shifts that were already transforming the industry. Uh, you know, whether it's box office revenue shifting to streaming platforms, content moving to mobile devices, uh, you know, or the increasing, you know, complex relationships among content creators, producers, and distributors. Um, you know, the dynamics and the power within the industry, I think, continues to shift. And then finance really pays, you know, plays an, an important role in that. And they see, you know, in their forecast showing that the hunger for content and continued advances in technology and new business models, uh, you know, are, are the ways to create value and, uh, and will certainly drive the industry's growth for the next five years and beyond. I would say um, from my perspective and what I'm hearing from um, clients and, and businesses that are tangentially um, in the media entertainment business is that it's been a tale of two cities. Those organizations that had live um, events that had, um, you know, uh, had to, you know, everything shut down, you know, and this has been a, for them a watershed moment that was on the negative side of the equation. Those companies that had already started the journey um, towards a, a streaming service, for instance, or had um, heavy investments in content in the form of journalists, you know, that were, as Paul mentioned, you know, pushed to our mobile devices, pushed to the, um, to the web. <clears throat> Those organizations um, saw a thirst and a hunger for their content. And while it may have been a headwind to get some advertisers to jump on board during that time, they were turning some business um, into um, advertising revenue. And uh, we had a positive impact on their business. But in, in my 40 plus year career in business, I've never seen a halt like this. Normally there's a, uh, you know, a, a flag that goes up, a flare that goes up when um, there's a you know, a recession coming or a crisis coming, um, a stock market um, fall. But something like this was unprecedented in my career. 
But what I've been really and what's been really encouraging is to see the build back. Um, one thing that's in common, not only within the media entertainment business, but also all business, those businesses that invested in technology prior to the pandemic um, made an easier pivot toward um, into what was the new what is the new normal. And that technology investment allowed the employees to work um, remotely um, and specifically in the finance function. I mean, we've done studies at Robert Half in conjunction with Protivity and others where um, there's been this steady movement towards um, cloud investment. And those organizations, I mean, if you ask 10 years ago, um, were CFOs or finance professionals willing to put their company at risk to move to the cloud, it was interesting uh, 10 years ago that they weren't willing to because of security reasons. Today, it's the new normal um, to have uh, investments in the cloud. So the tech, the tech investment, along with those that were prepared um, prior to, helped this uh, watershed moment, um, specifically in finance, to be a little smoother sailing. Not that, you know, as smooth as it could be when you have a crisis like we've been through. Now we will hear from Regina Buckley, president at The Guardian the, US. In terms of the fundamentals of what was happening with the business models, that stuff just kind of continued to evolve in the way that it had been evolving. But what it actually did show us, you know, it was a, it was a, T difficult and rewarding year to be a journalist because I know I can speak for the team here. They work their butts off at home, you know, blurred lines between what's life and what's work for a good 12 to 18 months. It was really rough for them. And, um, and yet at the same time, I think they never felt that their job was more important than, than before. And, and so so that's how it changed us and our organization from a fundamental, you know, business model structure perspective. I don't know that it changed all that. The one thing I would say maybe is the proliferation of streaming services, ultimately news, print, any kind of media is competing for people's attention with all kinds of other media platforms and all kinds of social media ad infinitum. And so... Um, the proliferation of just media in that period maybe changed the dynamic a little bit more and added more competition, I guess. I don't know, in terms of people paying for content, people, all these new streaming services popping up. And I think people are finally are starting now to think, well, gosh, I paid, there's a lot of content I pay for in my life. And, you know, maybe my husband actually a couple of months ago, like came in to the kitchen with a piece of paper where he had added it all up. I was like, do you know what we spend on? Um, I don't think we're the only household going through that right now. So um, from a business model perspective, I would say maybe that was the one thing that I think uh, did and will continue to impact us. Regina brings up a big issue for the media industry in 2021, which is the increased competition and the proliferation of subscription services. From what you see in the industry, do you feel there will be a reckoning in the subscription model? And if so, what kind of pressures does this put on finance when switching from one revenue stream to another and then back again? Hey, Shivani, you know, I, I think consumers are facing growing pressure. 
you know, to, to manage and, and, and pay for so many entertainment services, um, you know, as, as they, you know, chase niche content, and trending entertainment, you know, people are showing a strong interest in ad supported options that, uh, you know, subsidize or remove subscription costs. Um, at the same time, subscription fatigue and suboptimal user experiences are creating friction, um, you know, which, which, which is causing some audiences to jump to competitors or, or other forms of entertainment. Um, you know, the, the, the COVID-19 pandemic uh, has, has also impacted productions uh, and the, the ability to deliver the video content. Uh, all of this is, you know, is driving subscriber churn and, and you know, posing challenges for media companies, you know, vying to retain audiences. Um, and, and this is the real pressure that, you know, we see financing, fee, you know, seeing finance feel. Um, you know, providers understand, you know, keeping audiences around after they've binged the latest hits, um, you know, may require more than just good content. Uh, and, and, and given what they spend on marketing, advertising, discounts, free trials, uh, and, and new content to acquire subscribers, uh, you know, it may make more sense for providers to retain the subscribers at a lower cost or a lower price point, uh, you know, than lose them, uh, at least, you know, right now. I think, you know, churn will erode ROI and, and customer value, uh, you know, making retention essential. Uh, you know, with greater cost sensitivity, um, subscribers, you know, may want more pricing options based on their usage and ad tolerance. Uh, and easy way to move between tiers to you know, meet their needs and, and level of engagement. Uh, you know, providers can, I think, also depend for, and, and develop stronger and, and you know, more customized user experiences, uh, which make it easier for subscribers to find content that fits their interests. By improving this interface, um, you know, streaming video services can personalize the experience and strengthen the relationship they have with audiences. And finance is helping the business understand these moving trends. And you know, helping you know, the business better understand churn and uh, you know, how to entice subscribers to stay. Uh, you know, it's just not about delivering engaging content nowadays. It's also about, you know, the pricing, uh, you know, of that content and the level of use of advertising. How about you, Mr. McDonald? What are your insights on this? Well, in listening to Regina, I had to laugh because I'm um, the person in our house that comes in and always says, you know, uh, do we need all these streaming services? Um, so I had to laugh when I heard that. Um there's there's so many choices today um, for the consumer. When I think of streaming, again, I'm thinking of, you know, it could be Hulu, it could be Peacock, it could be any of the, you know, Netflix, Amazon, um, Prime Video, and then they keep coming from that. 
Um, so when I think of the future and not too distant future, I think there's a we're, we're in for a consolidation. Again, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not an economist. I'm not an M&A expert. But when you think of um, all of our choices as consumers and the plethora of, of outlets that we're going to in order to get our content, there's and then you look at where we are economically in business today. We have um, companies that are doing um, doing well. They have um, facilities to get um, cash. There's a lot of um, investment companies that are looking um, to participate in acquisitions and mergers. And I think that at some point, I don't know when that is, there will be a consolidation in order to make it easier for um, us. There, it's, it's going to become too fragmented. As it relates to the finance um, you know, uh, function, and when I think about you know, what I'm hearing from our clients and businesses in general, they're um, looking at it and this might fly in the face of what I heard from some of the participants in this, um, these webinars, but budgeting has been an issue and planning has been an issue. Um, you know, as they have two outlets, for instance, they have a streaming service that they're being, they're offering and they have um, in, you know, uh, for instance, in person, um, or they have the ability to offer, you know, so if they were able to pivot to streaming from live, that's great. You know, there, there was one budget set of scenarios being run, but it's been the challenge for the for the finance teams, what I've been in touch with and how to budget through this process. And as the headwinds start to subside a little bit um, from the pandemic, it's becoming a little easier because as, as we've been chatting about, there's pent up demand and um, people do want to get back either in person or they're going to do production um, in person more. I, I know um, in the early days of the pandemic, there was a thirst and a hunger um, for new content um, and the streaming services. And you know, once that started to, you know, production companies started to get back in, um, movies and uh, shows were being um, produced in order to feed the streaming services. I think there's they saw a pickup in participation, but the reruns um, that many of us had to go through in the early days uh, were, were were not you know great revenue producers for some of our clients. Those are interesting insights. Next, we are going to hear from Kathy Gilk Charest, Executive Vice President, Chief Accounting Officer, and Controller at Viacom CBS, and what she said about the role of the finance function in media. Um, I mean, for me personally, it's it's a literal it, it's a dream come true. I mean, my personal interests have always been in media and entertainment. Um, I am just in awe of creative talent. Um, I wish I had more of it, um, but I'm in awe of people who do. And I genuinely believe that storytelling, you know, reflects the world we live in, but it also changes that world. And that's that makes it a really powerful medium. Um, and I think that being part of that world is, is just a gift, even if I don't get to be a, a direct part of the creative process. Um, but our, our management and our teams are cross-functional and 
I think for me, it seems like collaboration is just at an all time high in our company. Our, our senior leadership team crosses content, revenue, streaming, finance and and other disciplines across the company. And, you know, there's regular conversation and discussion and meetings about opportunities and challenges across all of those functions. Um, and the decision-making is really collaborative. It's based on what's in the best interest of the company and its strategic priorities that, you know, that it's working towards. So right now there's a lot of discussions around our streaming KPIs and what's the best way to assess return on content investment and those kind of things. But, from my perspective, what's really important to me as, as a finance person is that all of our leaders have a really strong appreciation for financial discipline and even the importance of transparency and accounting. So we're real partners, each bringing what we do best to the table and working together towards a common set of objectives for the company that encompass our creative priorities and also our obligations as a public company. Kathy really drives home the importance of having transparent and disciplined financial practices in place as the content paradigms are changing. What are some of the best practices that you are seeing in finance when it comes to this? Well, I think, you know, Kathy said it right. Um, you know, the, the pandemic caused the industry to focus on managing cash flows. Uh, you know, it, it also engaged senior management in regular conversations, and discussions about the opportunities and, uh, you know, challenges of the business, whether that be content or revenue, revenue growth, uh, you know, the evolution of streaming and gaming. Uh, but also the pressure on finances and other disciplines. Um, you know, I think, you know, f what we see is, is finance really playing a key role in all of this by, you know, helping the leaders, you know, focus and, and keep the focus on financial discipline. Uh, you know, Kathy also spoke of the emergence of, uh, and the importance of KPIs, uh, you know, to help grow the business and, invest in the right areas. You know, I think we see finance practices emerging as, you know, they arm the leaders with transparent and, and real-time information to assess not only the return on content, but also to understand the behaviors of consumers and, uh, you know, what they want in this emerging environment. I think, you know, facing uh, a future limitless alternatives and competition. Uh, you know, media and entertainment companies are, are focusing on critical areas uh, that can help them gain a deeper understanding of their customers. Um, you know, by learning the right moves and the dance between content, cost, and ad tolerance, and across video, music, and gaming services, uh, you know, media entertainment companies can you know, move beyond fleeting courtships with consumers to cultivate, uh, you know, enduring relationships. Um, you know, they'll need to get closer to their users uh, while being flexible in how they predict and manage customer churn across services. Uh, you know, 
I think you'll see that uh, you know, finance will help them spend time and resources, you know, getting to know the fluid and multifaceted entertainment habits, habits, for instance, of Generation Z, uh, you know, and, and designing experiences that, uh, you know, will attract them at, at a price point that will keep them engaged. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think you'll also see where, you know, there should where you'll see companies investing in the right data, analytics capabilities to create personalized entertainment and, and advertising options across these channels while respecting the role of, you know, the consumer and the data economy. And, and that's where finance really plays a, a very important role in, in getting the focus on the right data and, and, and analytics and having the, uh, you know, investing in the areas to help provide that information to, you know, the content providers. Uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, this will require building, you know, trusted and equitable relationships that, you know, address the need for more transparency, agency, you know, privacy and security with, with the consumers. And, and this is where finance plays an important role in, this, in, in helping to develop these pathways to, you know, help media entertainment companies get closer to consumers today while being more prepared for what they might do tomorrow. Mr. McDonald, what do you think? What are you seeing? When I listened to, um, to Kathy, I really was When I was, uh, let me start over. When I was listening to Kathy, I was really taken by the importance of the relationships comment that she made, either externally with um, partners, internally with employees, but also as she's talked about the finance function um, in relationship with all the creative functions and the, her comment about storytelling. One thing that um, this watershed moment in the um, pandemic and the COVID crisis that we've all been facing is that we most of us have been remote um, in the beginning. Some of us have come back, um, you know, towards the you know, current study, you know, where we are today. Um, but for the most part, I think remote and hybrid work is, is here to stay. And those organizations and those people that were able to forge relationships new relationships or build on existing relationships through technology really have been the ones that have come out ahead. It's really brought to the forefront the need for strong soft skills in all functional areas. And you know, we, we've been chatting about this in um, business for, for many years, and, and, but it's come really with a strong, bold type face during this pandemic. The most successful people have been the ones that have been able to be comfortable um, communicating on screen, Microsoft Teams or Zoom. Those that have been able to um, build relationships, get work done um, in a virtual world. Um, and, and it really comes down to execution. So the teams that have been executing are the ones that are winning today. Unfortunately, the teams that aren't executing um, are the ones in a virtual world or a remote world are the ones that are having um, difficulty right now. Um, 
And we're seeing this across the board with all industries. It's not just um, the media and entertainment. It's, it really truly is um, the relation. It's a relationship business. And it's gone, it's been, you know, huge bold type exclamation point during the pandemic to um, allow people to be successful. Uh, I find, found it interesting too, her comment about the um, shared service center in Budapest um, being, I, I, I didn't hear if it was operational, uh, fully operational during the um, pandemic, but she had a consolidated um, finance function there. Um, and that I, I would venture to guess that in the early days that was on a remote basis as well um, before it came back into a, a, a you know in person um, shared service center. But those were the um, you know highlights that I picked from her is that the relationships really are paramount to um, being either externally or in, internally in order to be successful today. Our final discussion was with Brian Perisi. Chief Financial Officer at Break the Floor Productions. And if there's any sector of the media that saw the biggest disruption over the past 18 months, it's been live entertainment. Let's hear some of his thoughts on what's in store for 2022. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about all the, you know, a lot of pent up demand, whether it's going to a movie, going to a concert, going to a football game or a basketball game. I mean, that, that pent up demand is real. And, and we're seeing that right now. I mean, the peg for me was, you know, always Lollapalooza of this year, you know, back in late July, early August, Lollapalooza was really kind of the first big festival that wasn't postponed. You know, Coachella was put, pushed out, postponed. Other big festivals were, were pushed out or postponed. But Lollapalooza had its event in, in Chicago at the end of July, early August. And it was, it was amazing. It was 100,000 people a day in Chicago. They were doing the testing at the door, 95% success rate you know, per the promoters. Um, to me, that was, okay, we are, the pent-up demand has been building and building and building. This is sort of this outpouring of sort of just emotion you know, at, a, at, a, at a large concert. Uh, which is Lollapalooza. And then that was followed up shortly after you started to look at, you know, the college football season started and you saw these stadiums of 100,000 people, 80,000 people just packed and NFL games. And, you know, so I think as a society, yes, all that pent up demand sort of just started to culminate and coalesce around these really large events that felt confident enough to have, you know, the right, the right, you know, sort of measures in place to protect its fans and then the participants. Um, but you started to see that happen really towards the end of, you know, or into August, September, then into Q4 of, um, you know, what we're seeing now. So, um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, so we're definitely seeing the demand. I think what we're looking at, you know, I've looked at 2022 and even into 2023, I think 2022 for entertainment is going to be probably uh, a breakout year. Um, I think it's going to be 2019, if not, at least, if not better. Um, some of that is inflationary as well. I mean, we're seeing ticket prices go up um, because the demand is there. So it's really the market, the market uh, functions are, are sort of taking, uh, taking that into account. Um, and then, uh, uh, and then 2023, I, I see that normalizing a little bit more. Probably the, the the bump that you have in 2022, I see coming down in 2023. Prices will start to come down because there are some headwinds, um, you know, inflationary pressures. 
uh, labor supplies, the cost of things, you know, those things are really headwinds against not, not just our industry, but all the industries that will start to impact, you know, probably pricing as well as sort of bottom line profitability. Um, but I see 22 really shaping up to be a, a really a great year for the entertainment industry because because of that pent up demand. Um, and, and furthermore, you know, if you look at music, for example, a lot of artists in 2022, you know, instead of going on the road, went back into the studio and started making more music. So there's a lot more music out there. There's a lot more interest now to take that music that was created in 20, that was created in 21 and start to go out and, and share with their fans in 22 and 23. So I think we'll see that huge bump, you know, next year and then 20, uh, and then the following year. It would seem that media companies that offer a live component, either concerts, sports, or even theme parks, have the most at stake in how the pandemic and consumer react in the new year. What are some of the things finance functions which have responsibility for planning and budgeting live programs should be thinking about now? Well, Shivani, I think, you know, Brian is right. Uh, You know, the, the demand for live events will, you know, rebound strongly. Um, But, you know, caution will remain due to the uncertainties over, you know, further COVID variants and, and, you know, globally stark, uh, you know, inequities over vaccine distribution. I think, you know, finance will will help live event companies maintain this financial discipline that they had to learn as, as everything shut down the last couple of years, uh, you know, that, that uh, you know, the, the, the disciplines really force the companies to, to, you know, to take on different, different roles, if you will, you know, during the, the, the pandemic. Uh, I think finance will, will help those companies as they emerge, manage the new cost of live events to, uh, balancing the old surge of fans to events with the current focus on, you know, maintaining health and safety of the fans. Uh, you know, planning and budgeting will obviously play a very large role on what events to stage, and how to stage them, and when to stage them. Uh, you know, I, I think... You know, Brian's right. Uh, I think initially, you know, coming out with this pent up demand that, you know, ticket prices will, you know, initially be up uh, because people are hungry to get back to live events and uh, and those experiences. Um, but but you know, I think there will be, as he said, you know, pricing pressure on the events uh, and, and that will become more important as, as things do normalize, you know, as you head out to, you know, 2023 and beyond, um, you know, that and, you know, the managing of increasing costs, uh, you know, due to inflation, the labor shortages we're all experiencing and, uh, you know, the cost of these additional protections, uh, and, and, and all of that will, I think, you know, certainly increase the the role of finance as a key player in in helping live event companies. Uh, you know, not only grow their business and get back on their feet, but also you know maintain and and 
you know, their, you know, their bottom line profitability, which will, you know, be critical to their long-term success as, uh, you know, as an organization. How about you, Mr. McDonald? And when I listen to um, Brian, um, it, it brings to the forefront that this, um, it, like Paul Sachs just said, uh, the demand, uh, there's pent up demand and either for sports or for entertainment. When I think of some of the concert venues that um, I've seen um, and heard, I haven't been to one personally, but when I, I, I've heard from colleagues, they've gone, um, they felt safe. They felt as though, um, you know, the screening process was, was good. I haven't been to a, lo- a live sporting event yet. I look forward to that. But when you think about it, it's just that there's, as the reopening has happened, we've seen the steady increase in participation, be it, uh, you know, college football, college basketball, um, or like I said before, the, the, the concerts. If From a finance and accounting perspective, um, it brings to the forefront again, um, the budgeting and the planning. It's like, you know, you, you run scenarios. It, it brings to the forefront for me too, and from what I've heard from my clients that it's real time budgeting. It's not just you know July and August. Let's t- um, look at the budget for the for the next year, um, and 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 set that and set sail. It's like how can we make adjustments on the fly based upon what's coming at us with new variants. Um, there's been some uh, some pullback in some aspects. I suspect that there could be more as um, we see the um, Omicron variant start to run its course. But for the most part, from a, from a macro level, you would see, we see the um, pent up demand. You can um, plan for strong revenue gains. Um, the expenses will follow along. Some of those expenses, as you know, were, were, were dropped down during the um, pandemic because there, you know, there was no um, venue. Um, that they were trying to service. But for the most part, I agree, inflationary prices um, are, are, are starting to take hold. And uh, I don't know when the steady state will happen. I hope that we, we start seeing a steady state um, after the, the, the next year, 2023 and beyond. But finance is really, I mean, during this whole, regardless of, of what, you know, I, I come back to Brian, I come back to, um, you know, Kathy, and I come back to um, Regina, we really look at it from a standpoint of finance is so important and has been sitting at the, um, the executive table, helping to make these decisions during this crisis. And that's um, just another emphasis that the importance of finance through um, all business operations. To wrap this all together, do you feel that media and entertainment companies have been permanently changed as the result of the struggles over the last two years? How have these finance functions reacted during this period? Yeah, I think, you know, Shivani, you know, I think, you know, two, two words really come to mind in, in, in what, you know, the industry has experienced over the last, uh, you know, two years, and that's agile and pivot. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I think, you know, to, to, to some extent, you know, I mean, are those permanent changes? I think to a great extent they are, but I think it also points to, you know, the fact that the industry, you know, will 
have to, you know, continue to affect changes uh, and help the organization affect those changes uh, in, in, in order to, you know, be able to continue to be agile and, uh, you know, to pivot as, you know, things start to recover and, you know, people move to, uh, you know, use as Paul McDonald said, uh, uh, you know, more live services and getting back out, uh, you know, of our homes and, you know, experiencing, you know, media and entertainment and the way we used to enjoy it, uh, you know, prior to the pandemic. Um, you know, I think what's going to be critical for, you know, the business and, and, you know, and, and I think a really important, uh, you know, role for finance functions uh, as they, they react during this, this recovery period is, you know, the importance around information for decision-making and, uh, uh, you know, finance, you know, helping the business, you know, uh, and arming them with, you know, real-time information about, uh, you know, not just the cost of, of events and the cost of the business, uh, but also the behaviors of consumers and, and how best for the organization to, you know, continue to be agile and, and you know, pivot to the future and, uh, you know, and, and seize the opportunities and, and, and capitalize on this evolving marketplace. How about you, Mr. McDonald? Yes. Uh, when I think of this question and I think of, my history in business, um, it used to be that the risk that we would operate under for, our, for when I was an auditor with um, the big eight to date myself would be dis disaster recovery pro uh, plan. And we would, we would audit that, we would coach on that, we would consult on that. Um, today, I think what has brought to the forefront is what what is the what are the risks? What truly are the risks that um, my business has faced, be it entertainment, media, um, but plan for um, a pandemic? I don't think many companies that I know of, I don't think many companies that I've read about had a plan for pandemic um, of this magnitude. So does that enter into the planning process? Does that uh, the long range or medium plan um, plan? Is that a risk to be evaluated? I mean, when you look at the um, the risks that most companies are looking at for the coming year, you know, the talent or labor shortage um, and, and, and succession planning are usually at the forefront. Um, government policies, regulations are there. Um, I would add to it, um, if I were um, operating a finance function, how am I going to operate if something like this happens again? So does that change the way I operate? Well, I think it's part of the planning process. I also think that what Paul Sachs said is, is right on point, is that um, you know, there, there's, there could be a consolidation, there could be a, um, a, a pivot in the future, uh, there could be increased um, investment in technology, but if you're a live venue provider, um, you know this is just something that you, you know, it's hard to plan for um, because it's it's impacting every level of the organization. If I'm a live venue provider, when things come to a screeching halt, I mean diversification um, comes to mind. If I'm an entertainment or media company, 
um, I would consider like it, what if I was unable to provide this service? How can I insulate my revenue streams or my company um, in order to have other services in order to um, make my way through such a, a, an event, this watershed moment as you've been referring to? And um, I think those are the changes I look at uh, for business in general and as it impacts the finance function, if something like this were to happen again. Mr. Sachs and Mr. McDonald, it's truly been a pleasure having you on our platform. And I want to thank you both, not just for your time and for your insights, but as I close out forward thinking for the 2021 year, I'd also like to take a second to thank Robert Half Protivity for their ongoing support of forward thinking. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you.